This is Taylor Somerville with Symmetry based in Memphis, Tennessee, and you're listening to the Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat podcast. Coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. You know, we're not meant to be in this comfortable 70 degree air conditioned rooms all the time. We evolved to go through thermal heat stressors, through cold stressors. And when you do that, you activate a lot of processes in your body, kill off damaged cells, help your cardiovascular system, your immune system, inflammation. And, you know, it's just like anything like testing yourself in hard workouts, putting yourself in difficult situations, giving presentations, doing those difficult conversations. You adapt and grow and you, and you really learn how to handle yourself. Yes, that was the voice of our guest today, a man all the way from Memphis, Tennessee. We've got Taylor Somerville on the show today. Taylor's going to discuss breath work, symmetry, his company, and all things high performance. So really looking forward to hearing this one. Before we jump in again, thanks to the messages to feedback. We got new ratings and reviews this week again. Thanks a million to everyone. It really means a lot when they come in. Finally, big shout out to the sponsor of the show, what makes it all possible, Hawara a performance well-being growth partner. Check out huoralife.com for more information. That's H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Thanks a million for listening. And without further ado, let's get to the episode with Taylor. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Taylor Somerville, founder of Symmetry Live and XPT Life Master Coach. Taylor worked in the investment business for over 15 years until 2017, when he decided to transition his career to focus full-time on health and fitness. He founded his own company, Symmetry. Taylor is an XPT Master Coach, affiliated with our previous guest, PJ Nestler, Gabby Reese, and Laird Hamilton, and certified with the art of breath. Symmetry focuses on helping busy people regain control of their life so one has more time, energy, and less stress. Today we speak about what made Taylor move out of the investment business and what that whole process was like. We unpack key tenants for Taylor, including breath, mindset, and lifestyle, and dive into youth stress in particular. Taylor talks about why nasal breathing is massively important for us and how he trains people on cold exposure to sauna immersion and the benefits of this. We speak about relationships and empathy, pugs, and what XPT did for Taylor for growth and change agency. Taylor educates us on what we would eat in Tuscaloosa, what's on the horizon, and also what it was like building his own business, plus why he did it. Taylor Zumferville, good morning. How are you doing? Thanks very much for giving us your time today. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, David. Taylor, where are you calling in from? We mentioned off air. You said it's a bit chilly. We said, hold on a second. It's four degrees here. We're not wearing shorts. <laughs> I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. So it is, uh, you know, we're, we're about to make the turn to some spring weather here. And what's the typical morning looking like for you, Taylor? What do you, what do, you do to get yourself going? My typical morning starts with uh, usually a little get up, do a little breath work, uh, some mobility. And then I typically do some type of, um, you know, aerobic activity uh, in the morning, whether that's uh, 
running um, right now. I do some running and stair work. I'm training for a, a long uh, event this summer, so getting some of that in. Also, like to do yoga in the morning. We do um, uh, also Thursdays. We got a big group that we do. We call them ergs, erg, ergathons. Kind of like we call it Thurg's Day, where you're working on like the concept two rower, bike, ski. Uh, we do a little kind of intense hour long uh, partner workouts. So usually get up at 5 a.m. Uh, and then I like to start working you know, kind of get all that done by about seven ish uh, and then get into my day, whether it's, uh, you know, working on content, researching, writing or uh, seeing clients just kind of depends on the day. So with all with all that, the, the most important question today really is what about the pug? The pug with the nasal breathing, does, does he join in on all the aerobic work with you as well? He doesn't do much of that. He likes to lay around, and that's about the extent of uh, our boy Franklin. He, uh, he'll go <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's my uh, my wife's uh, pride and joy. She loves that little guy. I do too. He's, he's, a, he's a trip. Yeah, don't get him on the rower. He'll be all right without sleep, sleep, sleep. The way forward for folks. Everyone who will run around a lot is a, a puggle. So he's half pug, half beagle, and he has got a lot of beagle in him. So he's, uh, he, I can actually take him on runs, uh, and he enjoys it. He needs it too. Going back, Taylor, it wasn't always getting up and being able to do breath work. You were in investment banking, was it, for a long time? What yeah. was the story behind the change towards this new life? So I went in investment banking, but I was on a uh, in the investment field for 15 years. Uh, started out with a, kind of a research analyst position. Then I went to work at a company on uh, their trading floor here in Memphis. I was, uh, worked on the macroeconomic side. Uh, we traded interest rates, did kind of our overall geopolitical macro picture of the world economy. Uh, and so my days then were usually starting at about uh, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, sometimes I might try to get a little workout in, but usually it was straight to the computer to see what in the world had gone on overnight. Uh, then I was writing reports for all of our traders, uh, telling them kind of what had gone on in the financial markets. We did, the company did a lot of commodity trading or that was the main thing is commodity trading firm here. And so we were just in charge of letting them know what, uh, you know, happened in the geopolitical world and putting together our forecasts for that. So I spent pretty much all day staring at screens. I was at my desk at the office by 6 a.m. and usually didn't leave until, you know, five or six that night. So much different environment, much more, you know, there's a lot of stress now what I deal with, but I was going through a lot of personal and professional stress during those times. Uh, and really, I found all these techniques as a way to help me handle it. I was a very reactive person, uh, could, you know, a lot of anxiety, kind of quick tempered, couldn't always handle it very well when the markets or things went against me. And what I noticed first was how I was able to kind of ride the waves more than anything and respond to situations instead of react. It takes a lot of courage to to step away, especially when you're doing something for that long. I mean, you're you're doing it north of a decade. You're doing it 15 years. What what was there a pivotal moment, a crucible moment that you kind of decided and reflected and said, "Enough is enough. I need to I need to try something else." 
one of the big things that happened was uh, I went through a divorce. And so that kind of just totally shifted the way I was looking at things. I was, you know, you were on this path. You think that uh, life's going to be going a certain way. And then all of a sudden it's a shift. And so I realized how quickly everything can change uh, rapidly. And I started, you know, looking around and deciding that I didn't really want to be in this position when I was 65 years old. You know, I, I knew that I just couldn't sit behind a desk and do this. Didn't really feel like I was adding a lot of value. Uh, and one of the big shifts was um, I went to an XBT experience uh, and saw kind of another way. I would say uh, I was already into a lot of the philosophies and uh, everything they were doing. And but th just meeting the people that were there that came to the event, uh, that really, I would say, sped up the change more than anything. OK, so you're facing into this change. You made the transition. You've decided this is where you want to go to get more value. What are the first few weeks of that change? Like when you give up the job and you, you start in this new endeavor? Uh, well, it was very difficult just to even get to that point. So, you know, I pretty much had to create a plan for myself, create a runway, decide, all right, how long can I go without you know, making any money or doing anything? When I first quit, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. I just knew I, I needed to do something different. And I was really fascinated. I'd been writing a newsletter probably six months prior, a lot of mindset started to introduce some of the breathing concepts. And this is back in 2016, 2017. Uh, so, you know, I would say a lot of that stuff was pretty new too. Uh, so when I quit, I took about four months. I was training for a 24 hour event at that time. Um, so I kind of dove into, I quit my job in like October, I think it was October 1st. Um, and I spent the rest of the year training for that event in November and then kind of time with my family. Uh, and one of the big things is when I first told my family and my friends what I was doing, I was expecting a lot of people to say, you're crazy. Uh, but they all kind of looked at me like, yeah, we can see this uh, and, and knew it. And I had a lot of support from my, my then girlfriend and now wife kind of helping me through that transition, too. And how did you plan that time so you mentioned that you were sort of doing the newsletter did you actively go about looking at what's the minimum i can survive with what kind of lifestyle do i want to live did you detail it down to that degree yeah i did i looked at okay how much money do i have in savings how long is this going to last me and just came up with a number that i was comfortable with and hmm. before i quit i made sure kind of i built that up and that i was kind of protected for a while you know, personally i think i Headed out to about a year where I knew I could I could go without making anything, and so I'd, I'd give myself a a good bit of time uh, to deal with that. And just touching into the philosophy, and you said, you know, you experienced the moment with XPT, and you know, we've we've we had PJ Nestler on before. We've we both looked at the breath work. We've done some sessions with them, so we can we can see that you know, Gabby Lard, PJ yourself, there, there's something special in the sauce, right? There's something in the water. What is it about the blend of, of people, the, the kind of community, but also the maybe the ideology and, and, and the actually energy through the whole thing that probably made you change and obviously has even impacted us across the Atlantic? Mm -hmm. And that's a good way to put it, the, the energy. Uh, so I you know, delved into the breath work 
um, before I'd done anything really more of a kind of a methods. I'd done like Wim Hof. I'd done some mindfulness, some basic you know, box breathing techniques like that. Uh, and I'd all done it on my just by myself. Then I went out to these experiences. And so the XPT experiences, they don't have as many of them anymore, but they used to have about uh, four or five a year. You go to Malibu, go to Hawaii, and pretty much it's about 20 people from all over the world coming in. And I would say it is your type A high-performing people who are looking to get better. Get there and you're in this group with, you know, people from all walks of life, pro athletes, Olympians, uh, you know, doctors, financial people, attorneys, and you start doing some of this breath work in a group setting. And there's just something about that kind of shift uh, and how powerful that is. And just being able to, the, the ability to change your state. And then you, you get into ice baths and saunas and the pool workouts and you're with this community and everybody's looking to grow and looking to push themselves. But it's also a very collaborative environment, I would say where yeah everybody's competitive but it's kind of we're all in this together and working on this together and that's one of the things i really loved about the whole situation and it was also a yeah we need to push ourselves we need to do hard things we need to you know stress our bodies but we also need to turn it off you need to be able to go 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 when you have to but if you're like that all the time it's eventually going to break down and i saw that in my personal life before, you know, just pushing myself work-wise and how easily it can be to just let everything kind of crush you. And so kind of learning different ways to handle that, talking to Lair, Gabby, everybody, how they kind of just handled their family life, everything personally, and how they just really embodied everything that they were teaching was something that just fascinated me. And everybody that I met there, I still keep in touch with quite a few of the people. Uh, and, uh, all trying to, you know, on that path of trying to get better and trying to help those around them, really. That's excellent. And you didn't stop there. You built on it and you founded a company, Symmetry.Live. It seems excellent. We've had a good look into it and what you're doing with the one-to-one coaching, the breath work, performance, all of these workshops. What was the, the real founding reason behind you wanting to get this company off the ground and get this organization out there so you could give value to people? Main reason because I wanted to teach others these methods. When I first quit, this uh, this is five, six years ago, you know, I came back to Memphis. I was like, should I even come here? Uh, come back? Should I move? Uh, nobody's going to really buy into this stuff. Uh, they're going to think it's all woo-woo. And I just started teaching, you know, group classes at the gyms I was members at, you know, letting people experience it on their own and really, uh, these people really enjoy this stuff as well. I just knew that I had to, there was more I could give and put my own spin on everything as well. Uh, the language we use around what we're talking about uh, when I first started is definitely the way XBT talked about is performance breathing, you know, it's breathing for optimal health. It's not just kind of this woo-woo thing people do. And, you know, there's a lot of research and science backing everything. I, I'm analytical. I like that, that aspect of it, but it's also, you got to get in and just feel it for yourself. So I started out doing a lot of group stuff. I had a, which I still have a sauna on a trailer that I was taking around doing heat and ice sessions, using clients pools and to do pool workouts, um, really friends of mine that were letting me use their pools and just gradually grew it from that. Uh, and with, as with most people, 
coronavirus hit and had to change everything. Could, had to stop doing in-person stuff. Couldn't do my heat and ice sessions. Couldn't you know really do anything. And switched the virtual model, started doing virtual breath classes. And at that point, really had more people reaching out about doing stuff one-on-one. So before I was doing just kind of some one-off, one-on-one things with a few people here, mainly helping them deal with stress uh, more than anything. But once that hit and you saw a big shift in the way people viewed breathing practices, started seeing them all over um, from high-level athletes to you know, CEOs of talking about this thing and how much it can help them. Uh, started getting a lot more interest from people to do the virtual classes, do the one-on-one work. And so just really over the last few years, kind of built out that, built out the systems and how I deal with clients, have clients here in Memphis that I do in-person work with, but I have them all over as well. We actually love the name, Taylor. Symmetry says an awful lot, and we're looking breath, mindset, lifestyle. What's the philosophy? So say we we attend one of these performance breathing sessions, you know, or we, we look at change your breath, change your life. What, what, what's it all about? What's that, what's that energy that symmetry is trying to emit? So the philosophies for one is that, you know, breathing is kind of the foundation. It's, it's one of the first and last things we do, or it is the first and last thing we do. And it's really the only system in our body that is automatic and it's under our control. And it's a tool that we have more than anything to be able to, to read and regulate our state. And when we go to shift things in our health and wellness, people tend to go towards you know, nutrition, which I, I deal with nutrition, you know, maybe hydration, but those are, you know, you can live weeks without food, days without water and just minutes without air. And I kind of look at breathing as that keystone habit that can shift everything else. And when I'm working with clients, we are, you know, working on their breathing. We're working on some basic nutritions, a lot of mindset and habit shifts as well. I deal with a lot of that type A type who is constantly on the go. So, what are they doing? They're up late at night checking emails. They're up first thing in the morning, getting on their phone. All right, let's shift these patterns a little bit. Let's. How is your sleep? Let's begin to change your sleep. Uh, let's begin to put the phone away before you go to bed, maybe an hour before you go to bed. Let's get up and instead of jumping right into uh, your email or the news, spend a few minutes breathing. Go outside, get some sun, uh, take control of your day and don't let external sources control you. Uh, it more than anything. So it's letting you know that, you know, we have tools inside of us, but we so often just reach for things outside of us. And just giving people that slight mindset shift uh, helps a lot. You said something there I'd love to build on, and it's on your website. It's we help busy people like you take back control of your life. From your experience, why have people got themselves in a situation where they've lost control? Because in modern society, we have so much stuff coming at us from social media, from the never-ending news cycle, and it's all trying to grab our attention and take us away. So this is a thought of, you don't have to let it be like that. Uh, You can be in control. Yes, you can use those things as tools. They can help you. You can stay connected with people all over the world. You can stay connected with old friends and family, but it's not the end-all, be-all. If you take a little bit of ownership over your life and what you're doing, you will see dramatic changes in, for one, how you're feeling, how you're feeling throughout the day, your ability to show up uh, for your, you know, your work, for your family as well. Uh, And so that's, you know, one of the things I 
really work with on clients is just kind of making small little shifts too. It's not, it's not going to be some big dramatic thing at once. I don't want you to have to do too much all out of the gate, just using things like your transitions throughout your day uh, to change your breath, to slow it down, just creating awareness around, all right, when I eat a certain food, how does this make me feel? Uh, when I'm starting to get stressed out and anxious, what am I doing? My first thing I'm doing, reaching for my phone, just check on there. Uh, or am I, you know, connecting with myself? Jeez, there's a lot in that, the transition piece in particular, but we'd love to nearly talk to growth and, and getting better. You know, you're kind of touching on that and especially the people that seem to come into your circle, the XBT world and in symmetry. But speaking to you, Taylor, like what does success look like for you? What's a day of growth for you when you know I've done well today? For one, it's doing something that pushes you a little bit out of your comfort zone, something that uh, you might not necessarily wanted to do. But it's also, you know, kind of checking the box of did I show up where I was? Was I present at work when I was at work or was I thinking about something that happened at home? When I got home, was I just constantly worrying about, you know, something that was at the office or was I there with my partner, my kids, whatever it is. So it is challenging yourself a little bit daily and being there in that situation, you know, when you have them, not allowing everything else to kind of control what's going on with you. That scatterbrain yeah. mind that is so common and easy to have these days. And it's something that, you know, I battle myself. It's not like, uh, you know, I've got this all completely out where I can, you know, figure it out where I'm perfect at it either. It's, uh, it's a challenge for all of us. And that's just kind of the way we're, it's everything's set up uh, in modern society, I feel like, is to make it uh, just a little bit more difficult. You know, acknowledging the vulnerability you shared a couple of minutes ago, even about the relationship and, you know, how it's not always easy, right? And every relationship takes a lot of work, you know, from both sides. And That's right. we, here can both, we, we here can both speak to that. And uh, on February on Instagram, you had a, a relationship week and you did a really nice video on breathwork and you were talking about empathy and EQ and all these really, really important soft skills. We'd love for you to share why you put that out there because people can learn a lot people that are in relationships mm -hmm. maybe from a little bit from your story but also what you were trying to share that day so well, i look at relationships as part of kind of i have like six factors we have as i mentioned breathing mindset nutrition uh movement recovery sleep and relationships you know how you're showing up for yourself uh and those around you and kind of anything bigger uh, and what I look at it is, for one, you have to be compassionate with yourself, okay with yourself. You know, we all make mistakes, not beating yourself up, which is something that I've dealt with uh, a lot in my life uh, as a, I would say, a recovering perfectionist, uh, wanting everything to be perfect. So for one, having that compassion with yourself and being okay when you make mistakes, that's how we learn and grow. But then having those people around you uh, having deeper relationships, not just a, uh, you know, kind of surface level relationship, but talking about big, important things, uh, you know, with your partner, your husband, your wife, are you guys just going through the motions every day and just checking the box on what's going on in your life, knocking off your to-do list, or do you sit down and talk about deep things, your values personally, your values together, how you want your 
kids to be raised, if you have kids, how you want to show up together in the world and being present for each other uh, is is something I think is very important because, like you said, relationship, you have to work on them. If you don't work on them, they're not going to really work out and it, they will crumble. They're They're difficult because we're humans and we have our egos and we have our emotions. And if you don't talk about that stuff with your partner uh, and those around you, it, it can be very difficult to understand, uh, you know, what's going on with them and for them to understand what's going on with you. If like that, having, having kind of some shared values of whatever that is for you and talking about them, uh, I think it's very important too. You mentioned presence, being present, staying present. You took a month off from social media. You got away from it for a while. That's something that I would be keen to do myself. What was it like? What were the lessons you took away from that? Uh, it was very nice. You know, it was, it was very difficult at first because you want to check. You get that kind of FOMO. What am I missing? What are other people putting out there? Am I losing something by not being there? And then you kind of realize, not really. After a <laughs> few days, you it's not as important. You're focusing on being with the people you're with being out in nature, going out and doing things in the real world. And, you know, that's one of the things I really enjoyed by taking that time off was having the ability to just kind of put it all away and and also give you time to create. And instead of comparing, which we all have, we all do with social media, we can say we don't, and but it's just going to happen to some extent. And I think that will lessen that comparison. So when you do take the time off and you can come back and you can provide a little bit more value for whatever, you know, your people following you can see, and it kind of can help you, you know, formulate any ideas you're working on. It's kind of like anything, when you take a little step back, that's when you can, it helps you figure some stuff out, let the unconscious mind uh, work through some things. Yeah, that's so powerful. Just, you know, run the leaders in performance, uh, session this week the two of us and one of the lines that came from it was when you're interacting with people and you're trying to be present with people that you they need to feel you wouldn't want to be anywhere else with anyone else and if you can give that sense of importance to that conversation or that moment in time you're having with anyone then you then you've done okay would love to talk about hobbies taylor because we we never talk about hobbies we're always talking about uh other stuff but you know memphis tennessee and you know your uh, your wild fifteen years, and now with what you're doing, what kind of what kind of hobbies or what 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 kind of cool stuff do you do each and every day besides all the, besides all the crazy training in the morning? Uh, so yeah, do a lot of training. So train train for events. That's a big hobby of mine. But also, uh, you know, love listening to music. Uh, have the dogs play play with the dogs as well. Other hobbies, I um, you know, big sports fan. Obviously, big. Uh, I originally grew up in Alabama, so I'm a uh, big Alabama football fan. Roll Tide. Football, yes, Roll Tide. So, you know, that's that's kind of one of my, my big hobbies and things I always come back to. It's been uh, since the day I was born, and it's it's in my DNA. Uh, so, you know, that my group of friends that I grew up with and still very close contact with, that's something that we all come back and talk about. We also – you know, go to a lot of music shows together as well. Uh, used to be able to do that a lot more, travel around the country and go see bands and stuff like that. But those are two of my, my biggest hobbies besides training and pushing myself uh, in, in difficult, intense endurance events. 
and say Kieran and I get the money together and we're flying over to Tuscaloosa for a game against Auburn, right? What would be the what's the food? What kind of what what's the go-to dish that the two of us would be diving into? Uh, barbecue. Oh, yes. In the South, we have a lot of different types of barbecue. So Memphis is a barbecue capital. We have dry rub, baby back ribs here down in Tuscaloosa. You have spare ribs, so they're a little bigger oh, yeah. and they're they're wet, so they're coated with sauce. So we have place famous place in Tuscaloosa called Dreamland uh, is one of the most famous and that's a, a good spot to hit and back when I was younger they all they served you were ribs sauce and white bread and then you could get some banana pudding, some banana pudding for dessert um, and, and that was it now they've kind of gotten a little corporate and they serve all the different types of barbecue everything and franchised out but uh, back in the day it was very simple and easy all right, yeah, we're happy with that. Love that. Love that. that sounds very tasty. Yeah, what's uh, why did they bother with vegetables? Like that's a winning combination, the ribs and the white bread right there. Exactly. Just jumping back to breathwork quickly, you've an analytical brain, obviously, from the investment from going into that. When you are trying to sell this or trying to talk to people about the benefits, what we experience sometimes is a bit of resistance. Mm-hmm. So people look at it in the sports world where we do a good bit of work and they openly like to take this on board. They see it as a performance enhancer. But sometimes outside of that world, there's a little bit of resistance that it's exactly as you said earlier, it's seen as a bit woo-woo. What's the kind of response you get when you introduce this to new people in your side of the world? You know, there's very similar responses, but what I try to portray and tell them, you know, I'm very much on I'm teaching principles. So for one, just describing uh, how important nasal breathing is. Uh, for one, you know, I kind of look at breathing as a four pillars. I have everyday breathing, how you're breathing throughout your day, which is really one of the the most important in my opinion. Uh, you change that, you're going to change, make a massive shift in yourself, uh, pretty quickly. Then we look at grounding techniques to calm you down, uh, in the, in the moment, you know, stuff you can do like right before a big meeting, um, or before your day gets started. Then you've got techniques to kind of activate you, maybe give you a little bit of boost of energy, get you ready for a workout or, uh, you know, kind of take help you take control when you you feel like you're a little scattered. Uh, And then we got like longer transformational type breathing patterns. So one of the things I do is just kind of create some tests with them, have people. All right. Hold your breath. Uh, And how quickly do you respond to that rising CO2, those panic and alarm bells? Then, you know, put them through some just slight low nasal breathing, you know, some just short five, five minute sessions of just calming and slowing your breath down. Uh, kind of talk a little bit about the nervous system, how that responds. And then really, you know, going back, okay, these techniques have been around for thousands of years. Uh, but you have groups like the Navy SEALs, you have pretty much every major institution now doing research on these techniques and really getting understanding the mechanism of action and what's going on. So there's more to it than, you know, there's a reason this technique's been used for so long because they work. Same thing with like the heat and ice. People ask me like, why do you do it? And, I'm, and uh, I come back to where well, you have all these physical benefits, but the mental benefits of doing the uncomfortable thing, learning how to control your breath in those stressful situations. But there is a reason cultures have done this for so long. For one, it makes you feel so damn good when you get done. Uh, and when you have people just experience those type of things, they either get hooked or they push it away. And hey, if that, you know, 
that's okay. It's not going to be for everyone, but I see the majority of the people begin to get hooked and realize how quickly they are able to make some changes with it. Talk to us about the heat and ice contrast therapy. What does that involve? So we do three rounds, ice baths, full on ice baths, about 30 degrees. Uh, and sauna, I get my sauna up to about 230. A lot of, um, have a session today here in Memphis, it's 30 degrees outside. We're still going to do it. Uh, my groups get a little smaller in the winter, but uh, you know, <laughs> what we're doing there is we're stressing your body. You know, we're not meant to be in this comfortable 70 degree uh, air conditioned rooms all the time. We evolved to go through thermal heat stressors, through cold stressors. And when you do that, you activate a lot of processes in your body, kill off damaged cells, help your cardiovascular system, your immune system, inflammation. And, it, you know, it's just like anything like testing yourself in hard workouts, putting yourself in difficult situations, giving presentations, doing those difficult conversations. You adapt and grow and you, and you really learn how to handle yourself uh, in stressful situations. That first time you get into an ice bath, it is the ultimate fight or flight of get me the hell out of here right now. And learning that this comes back to learning that you have some sense of control. You, all right, let's get the breath under control. Usually people take a couple big breaths in through the mouth, out of the mouth, then in through the nose, out of the mouth. And we focus on really slowing the breath down, slowly in the nose, slower out of the mouth. Once they start doing that and your brain is constantly monitoring your breath rate. So as your breathing rate slows down, it realizes I'm safe, everything's okay, and it starts to calm down. And I would say out of maybe a thousand people I put through this stuff, you can count on hand the numbers that have just jumped out and run away right out of the gate and not come back. <laughs> Tell people it's not about staying in the whole three minutes that we're doing this. It's about staying in longer than you want to, kind of breaking that emotional reaction function. So I tell them that if they want to jump out, give me three more breaths. Uh, if they still want to get out, we'll get you out, get you in the sauna, warm you up and get you going again. I'll run two people at a time. So, uh, you know, people who are new, they usually still want to stay in there just because you got a little bit of competitive aspect of it. But um, th then you get in the sauna, you warm up and really the sauna can be almost more difficult than the ice. People don't think of it when it's things cranked at 230 and you're in there for 10 minutes, it's, uh, it starts getting quite uncomfortable. And uh, so we, we go back through the ice and we uh, always have people end on cold. Uh, this time of year, I'll let them go back, warm up a little bit if they need to, but uh, it's kind of nice to have the body naturally warm up. You get kind of, kind of ties everything together. We got to have a big parasympathetic rebound uh, when that happens, uh, you know, end up sleep much improved that night. I have a lot of clients who are, uh, you know, businessmen, but also, you know, triathletes, endurance guys. So we all kind of track it on our Garmin, uh, have little workouts we've created, and you can watch your heart rate spike up to 150, then drop down into the 40s. And your recovery through those things will dramatically increase, typically, after we get done on the ice the, those days. I mean, I have some of them, they go up uh, five, tenfold. It's pretty crazy. Thanks so much for sharing the tactics, like the, the positive exposure to youth stress is something that, you know, us as physios can, we can kind of understand that, but especially for those people trying to just, I suppose, improve their mental toughness and, and their resilience now more than ever. So um, that was great. Terry, we'd love to talk about what's next. I mean, you've had to pivot into the virtual world and doing great in that. And obviously we're learning an awful lot here from this conversation. So 
what's on the horizon for you, sir? Uh, just working to continually grow my business. I've hired some uh, a guy named Jason Baker. He's helping me, uh, you know, kind of development, marketing. We're going to also bring him on to coach. So having coaches under me, uh, working on building out some more online courses, have out later this year, and doing more corporate work as well. Uh, so, you know, starting to do a good bit more of that, just spreading, uh, you know, this message of kind of pushing yourself and the breath and how we can use it to help us regulate our state, but really before even regulate it to read it and understand what's going on. I'm very big on, especially when I start working with clients, just creating an awareness, uh, cause we, a lot of us are just lost. We're not really in touch with anything that's going on with our body you know, our mind, we're just kind of jumping from one thing to the next. So beginning to learn what happens when you get stressed out and learning how to just make that shift for people. So creating some courses around that uh, and just trying to get out there and do much. I'm got a, doing a retreat with a group here in May too in Austin, a group called Runga. So I'll be helping them. I'll be running the, the ice for them. Uh, so just looking forward to getting out more around the, uh, the country doing stuff. If you could influence the world tomorrow and everybody had to adopt a new behavior and when we woke up tomorrow it was automatic for everyone, given all the, everything that's going on at the moment, all the uncertainty and all the difficulties around the globe, what one behavior would you love everyone to adapt to improve their lives? Uh, that's pretty easy for me to say is for people to begin to breathe through their nose as they're going throughout their day and just watch how that shifts their state love it we're, we're both here trying not to open our mouth there because we better be nasal breathing now because he can probably sense it from over the laptops <laughs> and you can't you can't breathe through the nose but you know, as you're sitting there and you're watching yourself you're listening to this podcast maybe you're at your computer working are you sitting there breathing in and out of your mouth you're stressing yourself out a lot more than you need to so you know just nasal breathing at rest i think as tremendous benefits to people and can really get you very far along the way. That's one easy shift for people to make. Taylor, following that, that shift, and that's, that's massive. The question we ask everyone that comes on the show, all high performers in their respective space, and you certainly are one of those, Taylor. What does high performance mean to you? High performance means you know, going out and pushing yourself, doing Pushing through what I'll call the resistance, uh, uh, you know, this great book, uh, War on Art by Stephen Pressfield talks about that uh, and going a little bit further than you think you, you can. But at the same time, making sure you're kind of filling all those buckets around you. So I don't consider high performance necessarily being the absolute best while your personal life goes to shit, you know. You've got to have uh, a well-rounded approach to that. And it's not all at the same time. Uh, it's over life because there's times where you have to put a lot of focus into your work. And then there's times you need to put focus into your family and other things. So being able to figure out when you need to do those. And your dog. Yep. <laughs> Taylor Somerville, thanks you very much for that. We got tons from that, as will everyone that listened to it. Um, so we're going to be nasal breathing for the rest of the day. Thank you, to, thank you to yourself. But um, yeah, wishing you the very best with everything moving forward. That was that was amazing. Thanks so much.
Thank you, guys. Appreciate that, Taylor. All the best. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.